Welcome to the Three Vital Vs. My name is Paul Davidson. And I am Scott Norman. And on this episode, we are going to start venturing into the second Vital V variety. Scott, when you think of reading in a stereotypical English classroom, what comes to mind? <laughs> well, you guys have already heard my story about falling asleep while I believe actually Julius Caesar was being read. Oh, um, so there's no offense. Pang. No offense, Paul. Um, but At yeah, two brute. Yeah, then sleep Scott. Um, <laughs> so I think that a lot of plays and a lot of weird literature in my high school, I mean... <laughs> essentially, you're just reading... You're reading novels and you are reading plays. That's essentially the only type of types of reading that. Yeah, I mean, novels and plays pretty much made the the one exception to the rule was Night by Elie Wiesel, which is still technically a novel. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it in the sense that it was it was very much historical. The other ones were were pretty out there. Okay, so uh, there are a wide variety of reasons why people read and write. Yet in the class where we expect the students to develop these two vital skills, teachers limit the choice of how to practice them. If we expect our students to embrace reading and writing as the Swiss army knife-like tools they are, we ourselves must embrace a variety of texts at our disposal in our instruction, not so, just novels and plays. So you say variety. Is this finally where I'm going to get my answer to you sending students to me and asking about Amazon reviews? Yes, actually, because that falls in line with probably the best approach to embracing a wide variety of texts that I've encountered in this entire program. It happened in my LCT 8617 Teaching Writing in Middle and Secondary Classrooms class when we read Kelly Gallagher's Write That Like This. In that text, Gallagher discusses shifting the idea of writing instruction away from a genre-based approach to one that is focused more on purposes. Gallagher explains that there are many different writing purposes that exist, but the most common ones that we need to introduce to our students to are the ones as followed. The first one is express and reflect. Okay, so what would that be? So an express and reflect is essentially you're expressing an experience that you had, so you're essentially telling a story of yours and then reflecting back on how that story impacted you. Okay, so this is the classic, like, hey, this is a person who's significant in my life, here's the things they've done for me, and this is how it shaped my personality or my future. Exactly. Okay. The next one is inform and explain. This sounds like my classroom. <laughs> this is like where I send them out and say, tell me what happened in this historical event. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I could see that being that, where you're basically saying, here's this information, and here, and you're explaining why this information is important. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, this would be an informational essay where they're... An instance that I have in my head here is when we do uh, various wars, proxy wars during the uh, Cold, War. Cold War. Yeah, wow, brain fart. <laughs> um, then the basically the goal is pick one of those things and tell me what you believe is significant about it and why. Yep, you're informing here's what the war was yeah. and here's why uh, we need to learn about it. Yeah. Then the third one is evaluate and judge. And that, my friend, is your Amazon reviews. Okay, so I had students coming up to me asking me why I wrote a review for some sheets on Amazon. <laughs> and you're telling me it was part of this lesson. How did that work? Essentially, you're saying if something is good or bad. Okay. That's all an, all an Amazon review is, is, is you're evaluating this is a good thing or a bad thing or a meh thing, and here's my criteria I'm explaining. Here's my judgment of why it was good or bad. Okay. And uh, apparently there was a pun used that, that led them to think it was me. Yes, uh, because you are the master of puns. Not the English teacher, but the social studies teacher. Thank you, thank you. I will wear the crown proudly. The next one is uh, inquire and explore. 
And that's essentially where you're wrestling with a question. You actually have a question. The student has a question that they're looking for. And so they prose the question and then they go out and try to find the answer. Okay. And then the next one is analyze and interpret. This is the one that you're probably going to use the most in English class where mm-hmm. you read the text, you analyzed it, and then you make an interpretation of how of the bigger significance that text holds. So this is the like, what do they really mean? And there's one left, my favorite probably. Yes, it is take a stand slash propose a solution because you have to do them together. Take a stand, this is what I believe, this is the problem that we have, and then propose a solution, here's how we're going to solve it, here's what needs to be done. I love the fact that like built into this methodology is that those things go together because I feel like one of the big issues in my social studies classroom is people love saying, here's a problem, and then sitting down. There are many things that I love about the purposes approach, but the thing I love the most about it is how each purpose requires the students to extend their thinking. The first half of each purpose, they're just blurting out the answer or claim, kind of like you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, which they're really good at. They're like, yes. this is what I believe. This is what I think. LeBron James is the GOAT. But the second half requires them to actually defend their answers and support their claim with the Ptolemyist warrant and data to make the answer or claim stronger. So it actually forces them to go from low-level thinking into higher-level thinking. Yeah, so this, I mean, all these things working together, the take a stand, propose a solution, analyze and interpret, inquire and explore, a lot of these things kind of harken back to when you were talking about the volume of reading and writing, that you have to keep those things equal, that those things have to go together, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, students could de- deconstruct any piece of literature we're reading, or any piece, not necessarily literature, but anything that we're reading, and see which of the purposes that piece is trying to accomplish. And then, vice versa, they could harken back to those pieces that we broke down once they figured out that purpose, and whenever they have to fulfill their own purpose in a similar fashion, they could revisit those texts that we've already broke down and say, hey, this is this purpose is uh, take a stand, propose a solution. This is evaluate and uh, judge. Uh, they can go back to those ones that more professional, more experienced writers have written mm-hmm. and use those as mentor texts to help them compose their own texts to help fulfill their purposes. Okay, so I'm curious. We've been talking about a lot of things that while like you know, as we discuss them, it's like, oh yeah, that really makes sense. We haven't talked a whole lot about like the old classic traditional ways of doing this stuff. So what about like an informative essay, a personal narrative, or just a classic argumentative essay? How do that, or those various things fall into this methodology? Well, all the traditional genre essays that you were referring to, the students uh, that they usually write in English class, they'll still be there. But Mm -hmm. instead of them being the central thing that they'll focus on, they'll become tools that they can use. Because each of those types of essays could be used to help fulfill a different type of purpose. Mm -hmm. So the personal narrative, naturally you'd think that would express and reflect, Mm -hmm. but that could also be applied to take a stand and propose a solution. Because you could talk about a personal experience that you've had and how that has made you feel like you need to take this particular stand and that's why you're proposing this particular solution because of your own personal experience that you've been through. Okay. The same thing could be with uh, an informative essay and the informative essay could 
easily, even though it's not necessarily as effective as certain other types, it could be applied to the evaluate and judge. And of course, obviously the inform and explain. So all of these traditional essays that we can use, uh, all of a sudden become tools. And so if students become, are actually stronger at necessarily probably telling stories, or if they're stronger at informative essays, or if they're stronger at argumentation, they can kind of pivot into those strengths and use those to fulfill the purposes. And they're not being forced to have to necessarily run down one particular path. Okay, so with giving them all of that freedom, what if a kid just does the same approach every time, though? Like, what are you going to do about that? Well, at the end of the day, the, the biggest thing that we need to do to help also address that is often teachers will punish kids, or not punish, but penalize kids for making a mistake when they take a risk. But it should be the opposite. We need to encourage students to take risks with their writing, do something that's outside of their comfort zone, do something they're not familiar with, and try to add that to their repertoire as a writer, try to help them grow as a writer. So we need to encourage these risk-taking that way that they can start implementing them instead of slapping them on the wrist when they're like, no, you didn't do this right, bad you, and discourage them from taking even more risk and sticking to that same comfortable style that they've used over and over and over again. So I'm not going to lie, when we started this, I'm expecting the variety to be a variety of texts, but in reality, it's a variety of purposes that they are using, which will then create different types the of The variety texts. of text, yes. Okay, yeah, so that, that my brain this whole time has been trying to wrap itself around that concept, and it's all coming together now in my noggin. Um, hopefully, at the same time, it's coming together for those who are listening. <laughs> Yep, and that will be it for uh, variety when it comes to the variety of text. Variety also refers to the amount of voices we allow into the English classroom, and we'll be talking about that one on our next episode. This was a TDWG presentation. Mm.